0: Hello, you found us again at Boomerangst. I'm Ruth. And I'm Mike. And today we have several topics we're going to discuss. The first is Chernobyl, which I've seen, Mike has not. The series, not the town. Yes, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) No, we're not booking a trip to Chernobyl. (laughs) Also, Fleabag, which is on Amazon Prime. And um, I've seen all of it, and Mike has seen some of it. And after that, we're going to discuss... Muller's appearance in front of the Justice Department and after that we're going to take a look at Pride um, since June is the month of Pride. Gay Pride! Gay pride! <laughs> mm. So, Chernobyl is an HBO series. I believe there are five episodes, and it is just as terrifying as you can imagine it would be. Mm. So, the conflict in, in the miniseries is really about the people who knew what they were dealing with and how extreme the effects of the radiation were going to be. and. There were also the um, apparatchiks who were the people that wanted to keep all of the information about the explosion within the town of Priyapat, which is where Chernobyl was, uh, the Chernobyl reactor was. And the more they delayed getting the word out and the more they disregarded the danger to the population, the longer the radiation had to actually get dispersed. Uh, the, The way that the news got out to the world was there was someone in Sweden who had gotten some kind of radioactivity on the bottom of his shoe and tested it and realized where from the direction of the winds, where it was coming from, and that was how it became known to the world still, even even with the entire core exposed, they only had a few days to build something that would um, go under it to keep it from wow. think, the the crust of the earth yeah. The amazing thing is that anybody survived it. Yeah. I mean, so many people did die. The first responders all had horrible deaths. Wow. They were um they were all completely poisoned with radioactivity and oh my and, god. and died the way a lot of people in Hiroshima died. Oh my god. And uh yet there were other people who survived, strangely enough. Right. They did evacuate the entire town of Priapet. So it's a nail biter. I really recommend wow. it. And it's very, um, it's very dark. It's it's visually very dark. The acting is amazing. Just, there's Stellan Sarsgaard, Jared Harris, Emily Watson, Ooh. and uh, just a, a cast of minor characters that are... Incredible. So that's Chernobyl for you. So on to Fleabag.
1: Oh, Fleabag.
0: A little background on the star and writer of Fleabag. Her name is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she's British. She did Fleabag as a monologue at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival one year, and I guess was discovered. um, She adapted it to I think it's only six episodes. The first season was six very short episodes, like a half an hour each. Yeah, they're short. And then she went on to write Killing Eve, which is a very interesting kind of homoerotic detective love story starring Sandra Oh, mm-hmm. and she is an American detective living in England, and she is in pursuit of a female serial killer. Sandra Oh is obsessed with this serial killer, and they, are, they become obsessed with each other. It's very, it's very erotic inside of a procedural. Anyway, um, so she finished that first season of Killing Eve, then went on to do the second season of Fleabag. And the second season has nothing to do with her original monologue or anything that she had done up through the first season. And her character in Fleabag is this beautiful, tall, swan-like woman who is um, having a lot of sex. And she's basically acting out her... Grief. Her mother died a couple of years ago, and she has other reasons to grieve as well, which we don't know until the end of the first, uh, first um, season. And she is clever, funny, intelligent, and pretty messed up, I'd say. She's pretty messed up. Got a lot to account for. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the first episode? I watched
1: the first episode. I, I, um, she's extremely interesting. You can't stop watching her. She's really interesting. It's very fresh. She's um, she's like this woman with all of this self... She's very self-possessed in a certain way. She kind of knows what's okay with her and what isn't. And uh, she has these, inter- these interchanges with like a guy on the bus or a guy she picked up on an online dating service or whatever. And she's very much her own person. But she's also... A mess. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting. You can't peg her. Yes. You know.
0: And she also she breaks the fourth wall.
1: Oh yeah. She talks us. to the audience all the time. Yes. In the middle of sex, she looks at the camera and talks to you. Yes. Yeah. She
0: basically tells us the truth that she wouldn't yeah. tell the people she's. And it's
1: convincing. It. You really do feel it's not like a contrivance. Yeah. You really do feel like she's talking to you. Yes. It's great. Yeah. Like she's she'll give you a look that she would not give to the person <laughs> she's
0: exactly in,
1: she's talking to in the scene. Yeah. Um, so you're in a way on intimate terms with her. Maybe that's what's so uh, fun about it. Yes. Is that right away, you're like her best friend. Exactly. Yeah, it really does accomplish exactly. that. I, how does yeah. that happen? Is it because her the actress's personality is so... She's so immediate and, and and she's
0: funny. Yes. She's extremely funny. Well, she she does have that ability to give you a feeling of intimacy with her. You
1: feel like you're her best friend. Yes. I didn't think of that while watching it but now as i look back on my experience that's what it was like yeah
0: yeah it was like a, there's a wink, on it. she's winking to you yes in, but in a in a clever way not in a well, not the, in a trite way in a way where you would tell your best friend yeah. how you had messed up by picking up this guy on a that's bus. that's right that's right and you had made the mistake of yeah. inviting him over to have sex only wanting desperately to never see him again yeah yeah and the second season is very different because I will not spoil the first season, but she resolves certain things at the end of that season and then goes on to have a myriad of other things become completely unresolved right and it's i mean it's so compact you you i don't know if you've seen her sister, she has a sister, her mother um, she has a
1: partner that's her business partner yes, who's also really messed up boo yeah yeah boo yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's got issues. Mm -hmm. And the two of them. Oh, the sister,
1: yeah. She does introduce the sister in the first episode. Yeah. The sister's like perfect, supposedly.
0: Perfect. Frankly,
1: I find the woman who plays Fleabag much more interesting than the sister. Oh, completely. But the point, I guess, is that is her name Fleabag?
0: Or do we just call her that? Nobody ever calls her by her name. But. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's just,
1: but that's an assumption of your—that's just your own assumption. No. That, oh. No, I mean, but you're calling her Fleabag bag.
0: Oh, people refer to her as flea bag? Well, she or refers just, to herself as flea bag. Oh, she? Okay. I think mean, she doesn't do it yet. in the series. She just—you—you you just assume from the title of the. I just figure eventually she's going to check into a really bad hotel, and that's the flea bag. <laughs> no, 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 oh. no, no, no. That's okay. the way she thinks of herself.
1: Uh, as a flea bag huh, that's interesting,
0: well, because she's having this indiscriminate sex with yeah. many, many men,
1: yeah, huh. and
0: um really can't hold on to a relationship that she's in right,
1: but it's interesting too, she shows her she talks about she, she talks to you as her bet you're watching this, and you're her best friend, I'm watching, and I'm her best friend, and she's telling me about her sister and her sister's amazing good looks, and yes, she's anorexic, but it makes her look great in clothes <laughs> and <laughs> it's true. and um and it's funny because you get that she feels inferior to her sister on some level. But at the same time, while she's describing her and sort of letting you in on who her sister is, you get also that she doesn't think much of her sister.
0: So it's a... Well, she thinks a lot of herself in a strange way. She does really have a lot of self-esteem, except mm -hmm. when she has to deal with her sister who is perfect. Right, and right. about...
1: Functional, anyway.
0: Yes. Claire, her sister, <clears throat> is married functional. to a horrible man. Oh, I haven't and she got to that She has no personality whatsoever. That's uh, true. Did you get the sense that yeah. she has yeah. a, just a, a yeah. stone for a soul? She's like a cardboard cutout. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not. I mean, as time goes on, All we don't more. anymore. No yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, it. I mean, especially moving into the, the second season, there's a lot about family and what the family bonds mean. And there's a wedding that goes on and and brings up all kinds of questions about religion and religiosity. Yeah. And, um, it's just so rich. And yeah. I I think I we're not in the minority because everybody I hear talking about it basically has the same...
1: It's, it's highly original. I mean, it almost she doesn't is. sound... When you t- described it to me, I just thought, well, it's just kind of another... Another, I don't know, female point of view right. story, but there's something very unique about it. I can't even yeah. put my finger on what it is, except all I can all I can say is she herself is her affect and her way of yeah. looking at you uh, is very fresh, and she's being herself. You get it? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. She's just like that. She I've heard has to be. I don't think anyone could. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone could act that. No. Yeah. It's just her incredible presence right. on screen. Right. Yeah. Huh. So highly recommended. Highly, highly Yeah, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna stay on it. Yeah. Yep. And, and the and the episodes are short, which is always a plus. It's for me. They're
0: only like I think 26 the second minutes. season is is less than three hours. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and it's so bingeable. Yeah. It really is. Shall we talk about Mr Muller?
1: Oh Robert Muller. Yeah, what did you think? We're talking about his statement in front of the press. Yes. Yeah.
0: I I have to say, he was not the grand character that I thought. I thought he was going to we be wanted a Lincoln.
1: Gregory Peck, I was yes. sure he was Gregory Peck.
0: Yes, his voice was... He's whiny. Yeah, his voice <laughs> he was, was not wh- deep.
1: <laughs> we wanted Gregory Peck and we got <laughs> Wally Cox. <Cots. laughs>
0: I wouldn't say that quite, but uh, I didn't know what to make of his statements about not being able to indict a sitting president because the DOJ forbade it. I just, I felt like that was moving the salt and pepper shaker off the table. And had he had more grist, he might have said something that was truly damning. Even though he indicated things that were damning, his statement, basically, if we could have exonerated him, Trump, we would have exonerated him.
1: Right. I think it's a, possibly a matter of his coming from a different time. I think he's rooted his heyday was in the what was the Bush and Obama administrations yeah. and we're in that age now they call it the post-truth age where the facts don't matter anymore. It's how you present them and how you pitch yes. them and how you spin them. Yes. And I think he still believes as we all want to, that the truth will set you free. And as long as you lay out the truth, whether it's in written or spoken form, that it will have power. And I think we're in an age now where truth doesn't have any power. That's a really good Everything point. is spin. And I just don't think he gets it. And so I think he has allowed himself to be completely misrepresented without any fight back. Because I think he holds to a value system that has melted like the polar ice cap. Do you think it's he, gone.
0: He's, is he afraid to counter what Barr has I said? I think he's
1: afraid. I, I'm just guessing. I'm no expert. But I think he's afraid, you could say, or reticent, unwilling, to buck his own sense of morality about how you present these things in the public and how you refer to them and how you pres- how you hold yourself. And I think he's got this paradigm of professionalism that worked uh-huh. 20 years ago, yeah. but in the face of the constant barrage of propaganda, yes. it's just, it's, it's got no uh, teeth. And I think it's, I don't think he's a bad guy or a weak guy. I think he's stuck in a different time zone. I mean, here we are doing boomer angst, but at least as boomers, at least we're aware that the same way of talking to the public that worked 20 years ago, just doesn't work now.
0: That's, I think you're right about that. I understand that he's under a sort of moral construct, but does he not have an obligation to speak out about the truth that he knows has been suborned by Barr?
1: I don't think he sees it that way. I think he just sees he's got this duty that's his to do, and he's got to do it, and he's, I think he's caught up in his military and FBI world background experience his yeah. own experience yeah. that says the highest good is to be a team player to follow the rules to take your orders from above and not to rock that boat About the and to and i he assumes that because he has done his due diligence properly uh-huh. and written it in that report that we are all capable of getting in there and f- gleaning what the real message is, even though it's I, been
0: redacted. I mean that that was a point that he didn't really address. That there is material that
1: right. Well, his main point doesn't seem to have been redacted though. It, that he no. reiterated. But yeah, there's definitely details that they're still hiding because there was a, on May 31st they were supposed to re, they were supposed to unredact exactly all of the Michael Flynn material. And, and now that and yeah, they're not. So it, at least it tells you they are actively hiding something. Yes. And maybe, you know, I'm being harsh on him, which is kind of presumptuous of me, because he's a very accomplished, responsible guy. Yes, but he is but, a political figure,
0: whether he wants to be or not. That's it.
1: That's it. He can't accept that, or even grasp it, it doesn't seem. That's right.
0: He rejects it.
1: That's, that's right. Why. He's in denial. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. He rejects the idea that's that a good he point. is a political figure. But, but I think
1: that's the post-truth age. Everything is, Everything is political. Everything is perception. Nothing has to do with facts anymore. Yeah nothing. Yeah. You know, so if you want your facts to have power, you have to I think look at your PR strategy. It's the, it's just the it's the yeah. way of the world, you know?
0: I think what you're saying is right that we we've been thrown now both sides. Yeah. both the pro Trump and the anti Trump have been thrown into Opposite points of view on how to interpret Mueller's speech. Yeah, we feel that it is certainly him making an overture to the Congress, saying it's up to you to impeach. Right. And then on mm-hmm. the other side, there's like yippee Kaye, There's spin all over the place. Right. There's right. Simply, it's it's over. It's done. We're well, and it, with this. in Trump
1: spin. It's like, what's that book? It's like 1984, uh, The Newspeak. It's no exoneration equals exoneration.
0: <laughs> it does. That's true.
1: He'll say, That's true. see, I wasn't exonerated. That means I'm exonerated. <laughs> and everyone goes, oh, God, I guess you're right. I guess because he didn't come down and say you are guilty of this crime. And I do think he's trying to play fair, you know, and th- that was another point. Oh, and also, yes. I think as liberal-leaning Americans... I think we all did, and we were led to do this, I think, by the media, but we did it. Uh, We set him up as the savior. Yes. We were talking about this. I was talking to a friend of mine about this in relationships um, in a whole different context, but it happens in, I've had it happen in my personal relationships, but we had it happen, I think, in our collective relationship with him. We saw him as the white knight who was going to save us. He was going to save us, and everybody said so. Nancy Pelosi said, wait till Mother's Report comes. Everybody's saying wait till it comes. Details, 10 or 12 or however many there are, incidents of obstruction of After the document was released to the to this attorney general. Well, we'd be we're talking, our conversation would be different right now, yes, yeah, so, you know. But, that, but that's exactly my point. Bar knows how to, I don't know how he learned it because he's from the same world that Mueller came from. But Bar knows how to play the new game,
0: yeah. He's, he's a passive aggressive prick, is what. Bar is. but also
1: smart about how this new yes. post-truth world works and how you say what you want people to believe. You're the first to say it. You say it as many times as you can. It becomes a substitute for the real truth and people aren't interested in the truth anymore.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. it's bad news. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's, I mean, what we're going through is just, I feel like we're in a Petri dish. I really do. That we are being somehow tested that the the great experiment of America Mm -hmm. is being tested.
1: Well, yeah, and we're being, there's Sarah Kinzier has that, um, is it Sarah Kinzier? She has the um, podcast called Gaslit Nation. Oh, yes. And we are being gaslit, and I I wonder if this is what people in former communist countries went through, where you're fed so much crap constantly, over and over and over again, and you know it's crap, and you start by fighting it, and you say, no, that's just not true. And then eventually, you just get tired. you worn down. You just get tired. Yeah. And you just need to like make dinner and go to bed and manage your own affairs. And you just throw up your hands and go, screw it, you know? Yeah, it's all lies, but I can't fight it anymore. And I think that's what they're aiming for. I think so too. And I do think Putin is giving object lessons directly, maybe not to Trump himself. But to Trump's people, because these are oh, the Trump tactics Putin. that are happening.
0: It's happening. a brainwashing. But what's what's frightening to me is that that um, Putin has been successful all over the all world. All over the world, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's still a stopgap now in in the European Union, but still, there's a. And he is a nationalist. He's pro-Hindu. He's anti. It's...
1: I don't know who these people are. Oh, I'm sorry. Who is Mogan?
0: Modi is the president of India. Okay. He just got re-elected. Okay. And he is a beloved figure. Even though he had promised jobs and promised infrastructure, those things didn't happen. But because he's so pro-Hindu... To live in India, Right. there's now this contraction around him to buoy him up and his, his re-election was just considered like the second coming. It was joyous in India. I mean, 980 million people voted in, 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 in an right. Indian election, so that's I mean, the, it's just incredible when you think about the numbers of people that, and what that would do just logistically, how you get that many mm-hmm. votes counted, mm-hmm. and 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 how the whole thing remains organized.
1: So, do you think that Putin's got stuff going on there too, or do you think it's just a, uh, a some kind of knee-jerk reaction to something else?
0: I I think he's got stuff going on everywhere. The
1: If the failure of Brexit will uh, help us—that's <laughs> a good question. You know,
0: it's a good question. That will
1: help Europe stay more unified and help help foil his dastardly plans. You know,
0: I I don't know because I, I don't know he about was about that. he was he was behind a lot of the Brexit vote Yeah, too, that's what I'm saying. Because he doesn't want a strong European no, Union. No, he wants all the breakout. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, because and the divisions. Exactly. So. I believe that he is getting what he wants. Yeah. And that if...
1: People stop caring about um, basic assumptions. We used to just... They just used to be basic things that we relied on. That we, we, you know, our government is chosen by the people. You know, we're a democracy. Uh, There's something important about the rule of law, yes. all of that stuff. And the and, truth. Yeah, and what's, and what's true. I mean, all politicians have lied to us all the time, you know, all th- throughout, but it's a different quality and different, it's like an exponentially different
0: well, setup. I don't know that we have ever had a government that was so against the idea of letting immigrants enter the country. I just don't know that we have ever had anything right. like what we have now. Right.
1: But it, it's, just, it's, it's on purpose. Yes. It's just like you said about the Hindus and the Muslims in India. Yes. They're purposely setting us against this, you could say, fake enemy called yes. illegal immigrants, because it gets us all fired up and it allows for our civil, civil liberties to be removed. Yes. you know,
0: And we are allowing it to happen in our yeah. own way, like when we had talked about climate change. By not getting up every day and having the wherewithal to fight it, yeah. we are somehow Maybe. allowing it to exist. Yeah. And I don't know what the solution for that is. Right. I think talking about it is about as good as it gets right now. Maybe.
1: I have my upside down flag outside my office
0: at work. And um, every
1: Friday, somebody comes and turns it right side <laughs> up. But they, I, I, out, I outsmarted them because I printed it upside down and backwards the way it would look if you really did hang it upside down. So when they turn it right side up. It's right side up, but the field of stars is on the right instead of the left, which I've learned from some of my patriotic Republican friends is that that's also considered something you don't do with the flag. You don't display it like that. So whoever my mystery opponent is, I feel I have won in a certain sense. (laughs) But I want to meet my mystery opponent one day because I think I'm going to tell her or him, you and I are both patriots. I get it. You're mad because you think I'm disrespecting the flag. In my view, I'm respecting the flag by using it the way it's intended in naval vessels that are, going, that are sinking. You put the flag up upside down as a sing, symbol of distress. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a, it's a naval symbol of distress. Huh. So I'm doing it in that regard. It's a small thing. It's ridiculously small. I can't say it's making any change in the world. But uh, it's the one thing I do that's kind of my, my little uh, finger you know, middle finger to the way things are going right now.
0: Are you going to have a pride flag?
1: Pride! I don't know anything about pride. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. Should we move into pride?
0: Well, we could. I? I have one child who yeah. is part of the pride. Oh, that's Federation, right. right. And I sent her a book that was just called Pride. And yeah. I saw it and it was oh. the New York Times had published it. And it yeah. was about the history of the pride movement yeah. which she was reading and said she didn't know much about it. Yeah. So I mean I'm completely ignorant about Stonewall. I know that Oh, it was I know a little New... bit about that. Can you tell me what you Well, know?
1: just that it was a it was a bar on Christopher Street in New York in whatever year it was, seventy one or seventy or I don't know, in the seventies. And it was a common practice for the police to raid the bars and arrest all the guys who were there. The crime being you're homosexual. Yeah. Right. And that was the first time, apparently, that on mass uh, the guys re- the guys resisted, and it became a riot, and and that and then the gay liberation movement kind of was was started. That was the that was I guess the equivalent of Rosa Parks not moving to the back of the bus.
0: Was anyone hurt or killed?
1: I don't know. I'm sure people Imagine were hurt.
0: People were hurt. I yes. don't know if anyone
1: died from it, but um, huh. that was it. And that was around the same time that. I think Boys in the Band came out around the same time, maybe earlier. Boys in the Band might have been a little sooner. I think
0: that was 68. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So uh, that's Stonewall in a nutshell. I remember watching
0: the Harvey Milk movie with Sean Penn. And I don't know how well you remember it, but at at the opening, there are photographs of men who have been... Busted right. in gay bars, right, and um, being led into right. patty paddy wagons. wagons, yeah, and the girls just didn't understand. And both of their godfathers are gay, yeah, yeah. so and 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 married. Mm-hmm. So the idea that there was something wrong, and it's a good thing that they didn't understand that being homosexual in the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s was considered like being a pedophile. It was was a perversion. That's right,
1: yeah. (laughs) Having it be illegal was the least of it. The worst of it was that we were brainwashed to believe that we were horribly sick and twisted and really not... Uh, deserving of any kind of decent life, well, not job, at all, at all. relationship, yeah. home, anything.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with me, but it seems to me that the AIDS crisis was a turning point in gay liberation. That there was, I mean, I remember silence equals death. Mm-hmm. That there was something about the The Administration not recognizing it as the um, scourge that it was right that it was you know that so many people were dying,
1: yeah, and... I think it was a very pivotal point for sure because it was really a, that was an experience of gay people standing up and saying um, i don 't care what you think of my life and how I live right. it and and who I am i'm entitled to health care, yeah you know yeah, and it, it in a way it was a s- strong statement of humanity of our, of our own humanity yeah you know in in doing that fight we were lucky to have brave people do that you know?
0: well um because the
1: we were so taught to hate ourselves that it wasn't such a big stretch really to go to to side with the haters at the time who said you know you all brought this on yourselves right you know your promiscuous ways are now coming back oh, the Chickens, I say pigeons. The pigeons <laughs> the, the pigeons, chickens. and the chickens. And all those fowls <laughs> are coming back to roost. But um, yeah. yeah, that's the scariest thing about it was that it, about that time, is that the internalized homophobia was the worst part of it. You know, it, dealing with someone hating you is one thing, but dealing with the hatred that's been injected into you that you feel for yourself, that's a really hard thing to deal with. You know, but then those brave people that... Did um, uh, act up. They helped fight that for all of us, and helped us all accept our uh, wholeness. Yes, you know.
0: I mean, which is amazing when you claim think it. about how horrifying a diagnosis was at that point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and still, people were dragging their feet because it was affecting the perception. Was it was affecting gay people, and they don't really matter because right. they're not fully human. Which is what we've done with all marginalized people. Yeah. Wait, it's, you label them as not fully human. That's what Trump is doing with the immigrants. They're not fully human. He's referred to them as vermin, oh, he, things like he's, that.
0: He's doing it to transgender people now. Oh, and that's, he'll he'll yeah. get around to doing it to
1: right. people who are gay. Right. So, I don't know. So, yeah. I've always felt ambivalent about the Pride festivals because I, um, I, I'm aware of the amount of internalized homophobia that I have carried through a large huh. part of my life. And I would like to say I've been like cured of that, but I know it's in me, it's in myself, just because I'm a product of the culture from which I come. So I carry a fair amount of internalized homophobia. It doesn't hang me up because I have an awareness about it. I think the same thing is true about racism. I think the best we can do when it comes, to, given the culture that we grew up in, I don't think we'll ever be cured or free of racist, racist views. They'll be lurking around in the back of our heads, in yeah. the back of our hearts. But to have some awareness about them, I think is huge. I think it's, it's everything. And so when I see pride, I think it's great. I love the idea of pride, but I'm also aware that I still, I wouldn't say I carry shame, but I remember the shame, you know? And, um, and so I have to make an effort, even today, to um, be okay, but to fully embrace the Pride festivals you know, I certainly embrace them as far as the rightness of them right. and the justness of them uh-huh. and the, the you could even say the nobleness of them. But I'm not sure I identify fully with the guys I see who seem to be more in touch with their pride than I am.
0: No. Are you saying it's that a younger generation is less afflicted? Probably.
1: I wasn't thinking of it in terms of generational terms. I was just thinking I'll always be a little bit uncomfortable.
0: So does that mean you haven't, that. you haven't marched in any of the parades?
1: Yeah, no, I have marched.
0: Oh, you have? Yeah, I oh. even
1: founded, at Pierce College, I founded the Gay Straight Alliance and, you know, and stood up for gay rights. No, no, I'm oh. I'm politically active and all that. I'm just copying to, internally, I notice that there are still twinges of the past that that still live in me, you know, not to the degree that they hang me up or keep me up at night or cause me to mistreat others, although... You never know, you know, in relationships when you come from uh, a homophobic background. Yeah. You never know how much your relationship style is affected by negative self-images that you took on without knowing it early on. You know?
0: you, would you like to mention Mary Baker Eddy? Oh, Mary
1: morning? Baker Eddy. Well, I think all religions, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a recovering Christian <laughs> scientist, but I think every single religion had uh, a prohibition on homosexuality. Probably. Yeah. You know. I mean, and Mary Baker Eddy didn't like sex at all, so it didn't have to do only with gay people.
0: Well, but, then she wanted her religion to carry on. She there was no. Put up the
1: body that. is not real. By the way, did you know there's a new uh, Letterman interviews Ellen DeGeneres on his Netflix show? Oh, really? Um, his show is called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, and she talks at length. And to my knowledge, she's never done it before about her experience growing up in a Christian Science family. And the difficulty I of it. She
0: was from a oh, I knew party.
1: that. In this thing with Letterman, she talks very frankly about it, and she talks about uh, it's a great. We'll have to put that on our list of things to talk about. Okay. For uh, uh,
0: okay another one because I'll it's it's worth a it
1: whole conversation.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my next guest needs no introduction. Okay, I will do it, and I think that's it for Bloomerang for this oh. episode.